Guys, my new book, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, just hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. It's ranking extremely high on Kindle and Audible, and I want to thank you guys for grabbing it. If you haven't bought it yet, here's what James Y. said in an Amazon review on March 8th. He said, literally, a step-by-step blueprint for conquering the world and building your own empire. Five stars. It's a verified purchase. He goes on to say, if you like doing things the hard way, don't read this book. For everyone else who appreciates someone showing you what to do and why it works step-by-step so you can rinse and repeat and accomplish the same results, read this book now in all caps. He then says, pro tip, stock up on highlighters while you're adding this to your Amazon cart, you'll be using them. This book should be required reading for every entrepreneur, startup or founder, business person, and human. Seriously, Nathan is not a kind of class that cuts through all the bull crap, he used a different word, to show you what you need to do and how to do it. If success came with an instruction manual, this book would be it. We'll be stocking up and handing these out as Christmas gifts to all my friends and colleagues. If I could give this book a six-star review, I would. From James, James, thank you. All you that listen to the podcast, thank you so much. SaaS founders are loving the book. Go grab an audible version right now at capitalistbook.com. Launched 15.5 back in 2012. Again, scaling nicely, approaching 10, a $10 million run rate across 1,500 customers. Two very different cohorts, though. $7 to $14 kind of no-touch plans. And then they have a whole inside sales team dedicated to more enterprise accounts, you know, 100 seats, 150 seats, even even, even larger than that. Uh, growing uh, at a nice clip, about 60% year over year, 6.5 million bucks in ARR last year. Again, rounding up, uh, get growing to about 10 million bucks today. They're doing this really capital uh, in a capital-efficient manner as well. 3.7 million bucks in the company, which is great. Healthy economic. 2% logo churn per month, 120% net revenue retention annually. CAC to LTV or LTV to CAC about 6x, which is great. And he's you know totally comfortable waiting, call it 6 to 12 months to require uh, that CAC. Team of 50 people based in San Fran and other remote locations. Again, building 15.5 to help people with continuous performance. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is David Hassel. He's a serial entrepreneur and the co-founder and CEO of a company called 15.5. His foray into entrepreneurship began nearly 20 years ago, co-founding three companies in ad tech, kite surfing, adventure travel, and leadership coaching before starting 15.5, where he sees the opportunity to help organizations and everyone in them reach their highest potential. He was formerly served. He formerly served as the president of the San Francisco chapter of the EO uh, organization or entrepreneurs organization, and was later named by Forbes the most connected man you don't know in Silicon. Valley. David, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All nice right. So you're doing EO and you just, you just got to, you said, I got to get back in the game. I got to start my own thing. Let me jump in with 15.5, huh? Exactly. All right. Tell us what the, what's the company do and how do you make money? Is it pure play SaaS? So we're, we're SaaS. We're SaaS. Uh, we, we charge on a per seat subscription basis and uh, we build software that helps leaders and managers be great managers and leaders, uh, help bring out the best in their team. And how, so how does that work? Is it a feedback loop kind of thing or how does it work? It is a feedback loop kind of thing. The, the core of 15.5 and the reason it's called 15.5 is uh, the basic practice. Employees spend 15 minutes a week 
writing a report that takes their manager no more than five minutes to read mm -hmm. and answering key questions like how are they feeling uh where are they what are they what are their challenges what are their successes they give high fives to each other peer appreciation all that rolls up into quarterly performance reviews Okay. And so my obvious question to you is, you know, sales, you know, CMOs have, or heads of sales have a tough time getting their, you know, account executives to use Salesforce, right. For data entry. Yes. How do they convince people to actually use this thing on a, on a, on a weekly basis? You know, and, and, and it's actually pretty popular with sales teams. It, it's one of these things that once people start to use it, they see the value for themselves. They see they have access to their leader in a way uh, that they didn't have otherwise, where where asynchronously they can be getting feedback on their challenges, they can be looping in other people from their team, they can have conversations, the most important, their issues get surfaced to the leadership in the company without having to necessarily go through that VP of sales. Uh, I see. And so things start to happen organization-wide. And what's your revenue model? Is it a SaaS company? It is a SaaS company, yeah, per seat subscription. So okay. if you have 100 people, you pay per, per person per month. And on average, what does somebody pay for a seat? Um, anywhere between seven and 14 bucks a month. Okay. So I assume you're kind of high volume, but low ARPU kind of business model. Uh, we're actually with two business models. We have an inbound self-service that is that, and then we have a, a sales driven model. So that, that, you know, the, the ARPU there is probably 10 X the self-service. So oh, we have, you know, large accounts with multiple, multi thousand, uh, multiple thousands of employees that are sales driven. And then small teams say, you know, three to a hundred people, that's more self-service. Is the effective though per seat cost, even on the enterprise deals still between seven and 14 bucks or is there a big volume discount um, or it's getting... It's you know? There tends, it, we do do some discounting. Uh, it depends on which version of the software people, people go with. Um, okay. Yeah. And put all this on a timeline for me. When was launch date? So we launched the product in March of 2012. And by June, we'd been picked up in Inc. Magazine and it was phenomenal phenomenal launch. They, they wrote about us. We've got our first hundred customers right out of the gate. And uh, so we've been been to market about, uh, what is it, six and a half years now. Okay. And what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers? We've got a little over 1500 customers. Uh, the company's really hit a big inflection point lately. We were, you know, we were 20 people at the beginning of last year. Uh, we were 50 people last month. We'll be 65 next month and, you know, 120 by this time next year. And so, I mean, did you raise capital to drive some of this, this hiring spree or is it all funded by revenue? Currently it's all funded by revenue. Yeah. Okay. And get, so you're bootstrapped today. Yeah. Uh, we're not bootstrapped. We, we it could, relative to our competition, we've raised a, a, a very small amount of capital. Raised about three point seven million to date. Okay, uh, we have you know some some of our our, our you know kind of head to head competitors have raised between forty and hundred million dollars. And who are some of those competitors? Who do you see yourself competing with? I say the the, the three most the, the three companies we bump into most often are a company called Reflective, another company called Lattice, and a third called BetterWorks. Yep, yep, very good. Um, and and help me understand what you've scaled to today, if you can, in terms of like ARR or even a range is fine. Um. Yeah, I would say that. Hey, I can't disclose that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, no, it's okay. G give give however big a range you want to give to stay as vague as you want. I mean, generally speaking. Yeah. So I mean, we're you know we're uh, you know I, I would say near eight figures at the moment. Okay. Good. So so you know getting close to approaching that ten million ARR mark. Right. Is that fair? Okay. Yep. Now, is is it an aggressive goal for you to say that you're looking to you know hit that by the end of this year, or that's a pretty comfortable goal? No, it's it's uh, we're moving very very quickly. Uh, okay. At the moment, sort of, yeah. 
Okay. Very good. And, um, and so you've obviously been able to hire, uh, from that kind of revenue, walk me through what's driven most of the growth and, and maybe let's just actually do this from your team size first. So, so the team you said today, I believe is like 55, 60 people, 50 people, yeah. 50, 50 people and break that down for me. So how many of those are inside sales working enterprise deals? So we've probably got, um, the sales team now is approaching 15 people. One five. Yeah. Uh, but that's, yeah. But that's, you know, we've probably got six, six account executives. We've got SDRs. We've got, you know, now we have a chief revenue officer. We've, we've rolled customer success and sales together because a, a large part of our business has to do with uh, acquiring the customers either through a self-service or sales driven approach. And then uh, we have a land and expand model that goes from there. Of course. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense J- just for the landing, right. Of maybe it's just even one $7 account at, you know, Uber, right. Or something yes. like that. Well, what is that costing you to acquire that, that? Again, just that one landed, that one landed account. Um, I think right now our, uh, CAC to LTV anyway, which would, you know, would be a good measure of that is probably a five or six to one. Okay. Um, so without going to specific costs, you know, the, the, you know, it's obviously very profitable on that front. Uh, a lot of that comes in, you know, through a combination of inbound self-service, uh, the expansion deals I talked about, and then some outbound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask that a little bit differently. How aggressive are you being in terms of your patience to recover CAC? I mean, are you happy to wait 12 months, six months, 24 months? I, I would say today we're, we're, we're below 12 months. And, oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been extraordinarily capital efficient. I would say that a lot of companies who are building SaaS companies will, you know, will kind of front load their hiring. And then make up the you know make up cost on, on the back end. You know we've hired in arrears, so you know as the business has scaled, we hired we hired more people. The business has scaled, we hired more people. We've you know maintained cash flow positivity for for quite a while. So uh, whether we continue to do that is a, is a question. But I think I think it probably makes sense to to raise additional capital in the near term. Yep. Uh, we'll talk more about that later, but let's keep going on the economics here. So, you know, anytime you're talking about a price point that's sub hundred bucks per month, even per seat churn is obviously an issue. You got to get the accounts to expand their seats. You got to get retention, expansion, activation, all that jazz. W- what is your churn at today? Uh, it varies. Um, so it varies based on the segment. Like I said, you know, we have one product, but we're servicing two, two cohorts of customers, right? So you've got the, the inbound self-service. Uh, those folks tend to churn somewhere in the, in the twos percentage wise. And then you've got the folks who are, you know, kind of sales led, say hundred account, hundred, hundred employees up to, to say 3000. Uh, those tend to churn well, well below 1%. Yep. And just to be so clear that 10%, 10% a year, okay, that 2% number you were giving me in your self-serve model, that's monthly. 2% logo churn per month. Right. Right. It's logo churn or revenue churn. Logo churn. Okay. Yeah, revenue churn. We've always been, uh, or, or at least net MRR churn. We've always been strongly negative. Yeah. So we have now, more expansion, right? I was going to say you have. It sounds like you do have an expansion path. You have axes to drive these accounts into larger ones. Are you at? Are you above one hundred percent in terms of net revenue retention annually today? Yeah, hundred like you know, one hundred and twenty percent, one hundred thirty percent. And and where is most most the expansion coming from besides just adding additional seats? It's primarily additional seats. Okay. Uh, it's primarily additional seats going into different departments. We tend to work with growth, growth, you know, growing organizations who are adding employees. We, and, and also there's, you know, other expansion opportunities when we sell into a particular department and then we close another department and then we go company wide. Those are, you know, kind of obviously larger expansion opportunities. And, and how have you, let's just focus on the free self-serve model first. I guess that probably feeds your, your leads to SDRs and account executives to do larger accounts. Um, but, but, you know, you mentioned a little bit about your CAC to LTV. I mean, generally speaking, which kind of distribution channels have been most effective for you to get these new $7, $14 a month customers? Well, this, this, 
our, our most effective distribution channels have been content marketing and word of mouth. And, mm -hmm. and that's why we've been able to build a very capital efficient business. We actually haven't spent a lot on paid acquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's a game that I think can be played with a lot of, with a lot of capital uh, when you're figuring things out. Uh, obviously, you know, um, as, as, you, as you hit on something where you can buy, essentially buy customers at a certain cost, you tend to go through that at a certain point and have to continue to find other ways to buy customers, right? But the, the, the I think the most sustainable way to build a business is by is building a product that people love, that they talk about, that has high net promoter score. And so if you go online, you look at like G2 Crowd, you'll see all the ratings. We've got you know 700 or 800 customer reviews. We're ranked number one in employee engagement, number one in performance management. Uh, we have customers who rave about us who love the brand and the product, you know, very high net promoter score. All those things lead to you know, when people are deciding to buy a product like 15.5, we have a seat at the table. Yeah. What do you do to drive the, that behavior in your app? Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, you might put up a very soft reminder, hey, if you're enjoying this, go leave a review on, on G2 Crowd, for example. Specifically, what do you do to drive the reviews? Yeah, that's a good question. So we've, we've asked in the past, one of the things when we, when, we, when we started working with G2 Crowd, you know, a lot of companies that do do this, uh, you know, they emailed our customers on our behalf with, with no incentive, you know, there was no incentive or anything like that. People who left the reviews did so because they wanted to, but there was a nudge and a reminder. Well, just to be clear, um, David, I'll, I'll say there's a lot of very popular tools that have no ratings because they don't give a nudge. I mean, I'm not, I'm right. not, I'm not exactly. asking, do you bribe? Yeah, for sure. reviews? I'm saying, what do you do <laughs> right. in the onboarding yes. or, or what yes. do you do to make sure that if they do love the thing, they're going and leaving that review? Yes, exactly. One of the things that we've, we've done in the past, and I'm not sure if this is actually set up right now, but when people would leave a net, uh, their net promoter score, um, you know, if they were a promoter or gave, you know, even if they were neutral or a promoter, uh, we might say, hey, you know, if you're really enjoying 15.5, consider, you know, going here or there to leave a review. Yep. So, you know, when they're in the mode of already giving feedback, asking them then, uh, that has worked in the past. At this point, we're not as, as focused on it because we've had so much you know, kind of so much feedback, there's not a, a strong need to continue pushing that necessarily. But we've done those things in the past. You're pushing 10 million in ARR today. Talk to me about growth. A year ago, where were you at? Uh, we've grown, uh, we've grown the business probably about 75, 80% across the board. The, 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 what we call our mid-market business, the sales business has grown north of 100% year over year. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and there's no kind of sign of letting up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there's, you know, like I said, the word of mouth is, is one of those things. When we started 15.5, there was no market for what we were doing. Uh, we basically, you know, we thought this was a some some way we could add a lot of value to the world. We thought, you know, creating more transparent, open communication in organizations, supporting managers in bringing out the best in their people. That's what, that's the that's the value we wanted to create. Uh, and but we were, you know, we're kind of market leaders in the, in that way, and that. You know, we were basically pushing this thing and having to get into things like Inc. Magazine and Fast Company to get the word out. Fast forward five or six years, and there's now a movement toward th this very thing that we do. Um, a lot of key analysts in the space are saying everything's moving toward what we call continuous performance management. So we're really riding that wave of now there's an awful lot of pull from the market as well, and that's what's driving you know, a good part of our growth. Mm -hmm. Now, um, last question here on economics before we move on and wrap up with the famous five. Um, lifetime value can be dangerous because a lot of times you're extrapolating numbers and it can or cannot be accurate. But generally speaking, right. back of the napkin, what do you assume lifetime value is on dollars in your enterprise cohort conservatively? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, the, 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 uh, the shorthand way to figure out your lifetime value is obviously to take your, you know, one divided by your churn rate, which gives you a number of months and you multiply that by your, by your, yeah, that would be 50 months for you at 2% logo churn per month, right? Multiplied by your ARPU. 
Right. Yeah. So 3%, you're about 36. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and 2% you're there and under 1%, obviously it starts to stretch out where you're like, well, we're, you know, is that really the length that people are going to stick around? And we now have a number of customers who, who have, so we kind of balance between, you know, that churn number and also, um, you know, kind of also looking at the tenure of our longer accounts. The other thing that's, I think worth, worth noting is that, you know, our churn rates have, have trended lower and lower and lower over the past two years because the product has gotten better. We've gotten better product market fit. We've increased our you know capacity in, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of our customer success skills and things like that. So getting back to your question, um, you know, I think that you know looking at an average account paying you know roughly about a um, you know a twenty say twenty five k a year you know times four or five years or six years you know you're looking at hundred to hundred fifty k in lifetime value there. Yeah, that's, um, I did the math on my end just because I'm curious how it would pan out. But if you, if you, and maybe a power law is obviously at play here too, but at, at 10 million in ARR or about 800 grand per month and divide your 1500 customers into that, that means each one would pay about 500, 600 bucks per month. Right. Or and something. again, yeah, the problem with our, our business when looking at averages is that we've got a whole load of little self-service accounts. Yes, I totally get right. it. Yeah, I totally get it. It's a land, typical land and expand. Yeah, exactly. But what's interesting is they both have their unique uh, kind of average revenue per account and lifetime values. Churn yep. rates really, you know, so so our, our sales driven accounts roughly pay 10x what the what the self-service accounts pay. Yeah. What I found across, uh, you know, about a thousand or two thousand of these interviews though, is typically speaking when people are looking at payback periods because payback is relative, right? It's a relative function of ARPU yes. plus CAC on that account. Generally speaking, payback periods are the same across very, very different cohorts. And that's usually- They actually are very similar. That's true. Yeah. It's based on the CEO's aggressiveness. Um, that's great though. So, and, and 50 people, is everybody based kind of spread out or where are you guys at? We're pretty spread out. Our headquarters is in San Francisco. We've got about, uh, you know, approaching 20 people there. We've got a, a pretty big office now in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's almost as big. We've got folks in New York City. Uh, the engineering team is mostly New York City and, and uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, and then we've got a number of other people who are just remote in Washington and San Diego, Vermont, et cetera. And take us home here. So raising capital, you said you're, you might consider doing it. Why would you raise? And if so, what would you try and how much would you try and raise? What would you spend it on? We've never done a formal series A. And so, um, so I think that, you know, there's a number of things that are really, really working for the business right now. We've got, uh, we've got clear product market fit. The market is there. There's a, you know, kind of dramatic pull from the market. Um, I think that you know there's there's a lot of interest in the space from other outside investors. So you know if we were to, if we were to close around, we would focus on uh, you know continuing to invest in product. It would essentially be product marketing and sales. And I think that there's a, a good case to be made that given the CAC to LTV and these other things that we look at, that we could invest that that capital really effectively to grow and scale the business because we already have a also a very solid foundation in terms of team and culture. And, and what would you aim for? You call it a ten million raise or twenty million raise? I, no, probably smaller than that. I would probably okay. say six to eight. S sorry, six to eight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at that run rate, that means, I mean, you could probably get away with giving away probably less than 10% of the company for that amount of money. So that's obviously great. Uh, very good, David. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? You know, as you can see, I'm, I, I love books. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I was thinking about that. And I, actually, the first book I was given right out of college, first company I worked for was uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And, and I've actually found a hard hard book to, to to match, mainly because you know I think the best business books are the books that have you be better at business, like as a human being, working with yourself and working with other people. And that one has some timeless principles in there. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? 
that's a tough one. I, I think that, you know, the two CEOs who I really admire um, for, for very similar reasons are Yvonne Chouinard, who's no longer CEO of Patagonia, and, uh, and Richard Branson, uh, both because they, you know, they, they had a, a real focus on caring for their people uh, and also making sure that they created environments where uh, they delegated effectively, found great leadership, and also didn't sacrifice things on, on the personal side where they were still connected to nature and doing things that enlivened them. Yep. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Uh, new one I got exposed to recently was uh, an email client called Superhuman, uh, which isn't quite out uh, yet, but so far it's definitely making me much more productive. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Uh, about eight. That's good. And then what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? I have kid. I have a five-year-old kid, yeah. Five-year-old. And how old are you? Uh, I am 42. 42. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? 20-year-old self, I would say that uh, my advice for my 20-year-old self would be to, to just be patient. Uh, you know, life is, is an unfolding process. And I think that, you know, I definitely caused myself a lot of stress along the way of like wanting things to happen sooner than they would have naturally unfolded. And, uh, you know, things need to ripen. Guys, be patient. Let things ripen. Again, coming from David, launched 15.5 back in 2012. Again, scaling nicely, approaching 10, a $10 million run rate across 1,500 customers. Two very different cohorts, though. Seven to $14 kind of no-touch plans. And then they have a whole inside sales team dedicated to more enterprise accounts, you know, 100 seats, 150 seats, even, even, even larger than that. Uh, growing uh, at a nice clip, about 60% year over year, 6.5 million bucks in ARR last year. Again, rounding up, uh, get, growing to about 10 million bucks today. They're doing this really capital uh, in a capital efficient manner as well. 3.7 million bucks in the company, which is great. Healthy economics, 2% logo churn per month, 120% net revenue retention annually. CAC to LTV or LTV to CAC about 6X, which is great. And he's you know totally comfortable waiting, call it 6 to 12 months to require uh, that CAC. Team of 50 people based in San Fran and other remote locations. Again, building 15.5 to help people with continuous performance. David, thank you for taking us to the top. All right. Thanks so much.